0: Thank you for listening to the Following Films Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sean Paul Piccinino. I had him on the show to talk about his latest film, California Christmas City Lights. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing today?
1: Very good. Just trying to get this set up. Sorry.
0: I'm doing good. good. There we go. All stable. Perfect. Th- thank you so yeah. much for taking time to do this, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. I appreciate you having me on.
0: you got to be uh, pretty excited right now. What's the feeling like the day before something gets released? Because you're about to have the whole world see your next film. Yeah. So. Well,
1: I mean, that that's the dream, right? <laughs> <laughs> As a, uh, uh, a creator or, you know, uh, uh, obviously in my case, a filmmaker, I think that's always the dream is that people will actually see it, you know, obviously Netflix is a big platform. Um, and, uh, you know, worked really hard to, to finally get there someday, you know, it's been a 20 year journey to get onto Netflix basically. Um, but, uh, yeah, the feeling is, is nervousness, obviously, um, elation at the same time. Um, and, uh, also just um uh also a sense of relief in a way you know it's it's finally going to be released uh and and
0: hopefully people like it well you, you at this point it's releasing control there's nothing else you can do it's yeah. going out yeah. in the world and it's what happens happens i mean you already have a built-in audience for this one because um california christmas had a, there was a by any measure now that would be a hit so if you crack the top 10 on netflix that's Bigger than number one at the box office for several weeks running, as far as the number of eyes that are watching something.
1: Yeah, I, you know, the first movie, uh, we were all quite taken aback. You know, we didn't expect that at all. We we uh, uh, took a a uh, calculated risk in in trying to make a Christmas movie during you know in the middle of a pandemic, uh, okay. and and uh, our executive producer um, Ali Afshar. That was really his idea. He's like, "Hey, and nobody's making you know movies in general right now, but but I bet people will be jonesing for a good Christmas movie." Um, uh, oops, sorry. there we go. I'm so sorry about that. Somebody tried to call in and I hit the wrong button.
0: No, no worries, no worries. It's uh, totally fine. It's uh, the absolute reality of where we live and it fits in perfectly with the idea of filming during, during a pandemic, this is what it's like to interview people during a pandemic. Now. So. so, um,
1: yeah, it was, it was, um, Allie's idea, uh, to, to, you know, try and make a, a Christmas movie during that time. And, um, he got together with, uh, Lauren Twickard, uh, and, uh, you know, they kind of started brainstorming the ideas and they started writing it. Then they, that is the point at which they called me. And, uh, and, and I had worked with all of them before, of course. And, uh, so it was kind of a no brainer for me. I was like, Oh, I get to work with people. I love friends, you know, then yeah, count me in. And then it just happened to be that the script was actually really clever, uh, uh, and had some characters that totally subverted my expectations which is always, uh, you know, I'm always kind of looking for that. Like, I don't want to tell the exact same story. Yes, we're doing a very, you know, Hallmark type Christmas film. But I feel like we, our goal was to inject a little bit more edge, uh, maybe a little bit more drama and and, uh, and also humor. Mm-hmm. You know, but, uh, I, I always love injecting humor, even if it's a really dark, gritty project. Uh, I always try uh, and have some of that comic relief in there to help balance uh, the 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 drama or the intensity that's going on. So um, you know, with Manny and Leo's characters, I think we uh, had something a little bit different than than maybe people had seen before. so, um so that was exciting to to get to tell that story. And you know, being on the creative side of things, I actually just <laughs> really, and I'm, and I know I'm totally biased, but I love these characters and, and I kind of want to see where they go. You know, I, like, that's the exciting part for myself. And I know for Lauren and Allie and Josh and everybody involved is that we just really care about these characters. Uh, and, um, you know, hopefully that shows, um, you know,
0: I was going to say one thing about the first film. I haven't had a chance to watch the new one yet, but the first film, the thing that makes it work to me, um, Despite the kind of you're playing within the hallmark sort of bounds yep. within that lane. Sure. And, and that's fine. Um, there's something that happens in those movies, though. It's not you hit these certain marks, get to these beats, and you satisfy that what that is. But then you have all this room to play within those bounds. And a lot of people, they just go for what other people have done before. And I feel like you did something actually pretty unique unto itself. And even more than that there's not an ounce of cynicism in that film. It feels like it was made by people that actually cared about the project that normally, no, those movies don't really work for me. My wife watches them all the time and she loves them no matter what, but like I'll walk in and be like, you can tell these people are just collecting a paycheck. You can like feel it on the screen a lot. of. And there's, Hey, everybody deserves to send their kids to college. I have no, nothing to say about that, but like, I don't, I didn't feel that in the first film. That was actually something that was very surprising about it. And the idea of revisiting these characters in a way that isn't a retread of the first plot, which was really just driven by the, which isn't what made that movie work in the first place for me. Um, The idea of the the lie and how far does that, the the romantic comedy thing that we've seen before in that way. You can't do that the second time around. What would the lie be this time? And so this idea of maybe, is it, because from what I see, it's the idea of, the, what's pulling on them this outside force that's pulling them apart this draw back to the city going back to that that could be the thing and how she's getting there's only a year into the relationship at this point so how much more does she, how well do they know each other at the end of this so i think there's a lot of ground that you could cover in this for in this sequel that i'm excited yeah, to see yeah. honestly oh thank you thank you
1: yeah i think that is um definitely as as the characters uh progress and they mature we, you see that in all aspects of of this next movie um, and you're right. They've kind of been living in a bubble in a way they've been in this little romantic bubble on the ranch and living that life. And this movie going to the city uh, to try and save his family's business. Uh, you know, you're peeling back the layers on Joseph himself and she's getting to learn a lot about him and where he came from. And uh, she's somebody who's kind of never stepped outside the small town and and the ranch. And so it is the reverse of the fish out of water idea. Um, But yes, it's not the, the, the retreading any of that, uh, that first plot at all. It is, um, you know, figuring out if they truly are compatible and you also see characters like Manny, how he's progressed, you know, it was very important for us to, to make sure that everybody keeps growing and Hannah and every, you know, all of these characters uh, continue to grow. And I think it's fun to see them all progress. And again, I know I'm biased, but uh, I just think it's really cool to continue to explore these characters. And, and uh, of course, knock on wood, if we, uh, you know, are to do, uh, you know, decent with this movie, you know, we've got lots of ideas on where we can take the story even further. And and very selfishly, I I, I want to do that just to see where these characters go. You know? Yeah. Well,
0: uh, the, the idea that um, most films that you would call a romantic comedy, romantic drama, they have very little to do with actual love um because love is something that happens years down the road it's something that happens when you're deeply entwined with one another the first thing that happens at first that's infatuation and so yeah. it feels like the further you get into their relationship the more times you revisit it the more that this could be about an actual relationship and not just about a meet cute not about this situation it becomes about two people um you know it becomes the Richard Linkletter, his before uh, series, that kind (laughs) of idea and following up with this couple, that's more about a a real relationship than just a moment. And that's something it kind of backwards worked its way into. And you might be, if you're wanting to continually revisit these characters, you could be doing a similar thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, that would be the dream, you know?
0: (laughs) And then, um, sorry to kind of deviate from that. There's a film of yours that I, I wish I would have had more notice on this and not have set this up yesterday. Cause I've had wheels of fortune on my radar for a while. And I've been meaning to check that film out when I first saw when it was coming out, and, you know, I obviously great cast. Uh, I just, the idea of Jeff Fahey and Matt Jones in the same film, what the hell could that possibly be? So I need to check that out for a while now. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to catching up with that one at this point. Yeah. Now seeing this yeah. is you're connected on both those and the martial arts stuff. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I gotta kinda <laughs> <laughs> crack the code yeah. here a little bit.
1: Oh, so, uh I just love um I love this this not even just this business, but I just love the medium of of telling stories, entertaining. Uh and and in whichever way it is, I'm trying to to bring a smile to someone's face. Sometimes, you know, you're going for the tears, but um yeah, I mean I just have I think I've been lucky enough to take a lot of my passions in this life and and help uh uh meld them into my career. Uh you know, I've I love martial arts. I've you know started training in martial arts when I was like 11 years old and and kind of haven't stopped. Uh, you know, so, so bringing that into the fold, I've done the stunt stuff. I've done fight choreography. I've done stunt coordination, action directing. So a lot of that influenced that part of my career, um, and still does. And, uh, my love for comedy, my love for, for trying to pull on the heartstrings, which I think is also why, uh, I was so drawn to, uh, this production company in ESX entertainment, which is Ali Afshar's company. And I've now done seven movies, I think with them. Uh, and I've worked on more, just not directing them. I've helped stunt coordinate. I've helped, uh, just even being a nether camera operator when they needed. I'm like, hey, you guys needed. I'm there because we really have created a film family, and I and I'm so grateful to that entire team. And um, you know, we just work with great people from from Elizabeth Jett, costume designer, to uh, Michael Cooper, our production uh, uh, designer you know, everyone down the line to, you know, our, our uh, sound and, and uh, uh, script supervisors, you know, it's just such a great team that uh, and we all kind of have that same goal. And I think this goes back to what you were talking about earlier is that there's, there's not that sense of, you know, just collecting a paycheck or or cynicism or any of that stuff, because we were all really care for each other. Like it really has become that, that film family. And we're just, we, Every time, you know, hey, we don't have the biggest budgets in the world, but we just enjoy this creative process together, you know, and really sure we butt heads every now and then. But for the most part, it's everybody's on the same team. We're all trying to create something uh, really great together. And, uh, you know, hopefully that comes through Uh, (laughs) to, to touch base on wheels of fortune. Uh, that's kind of like a love letter. Allie and myself both loved, you know, the cannonball runs and the sure. even the movies like um, uh, uh, Brewster's Millions, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. of course, so it, it's got all sorts of that influence in there. Uh, Matt Jones just is so funny. His kind of brash uh, uh, humor is just all over that. He, he a lot of the stuff he improv same with, uh, uh, Noreen DeWolf and Maddie Carteropple and, and, uh, uh, all of them. You have Christina Moore, uh, and, um, uh, uh, John Ducey, who actually wrote the, the, that movie. And he plays one of the lead characters in there. Uh, they were all just gelled so well together. And, uh, I have probably never laughed harder while making a movie, um, there was a point at which I was in the dirt at a racetrack, like in the fetal position laughing. Like, that's how funny it was. And it was just, you know, one of those things. It's a totally goofy movie. So you got to obviously you know, keep that in mind. It's 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 every bit uh, as silly as anything Will Ferrell, uh, uh, you know, um, Zoolanders, uh, Jim Carrey. You know, it's, it's that kind of so over the top there's not a, a dumb and dumber type of thing. There's not a, there's really not a smart character in the, in the entire universe within that world. I mean, it's the smartest character is still 10 times as dumb as they should be. And in, in a very silly way, yeah. not, you know, uh, and, and we kind of just make fun of anybody and everything in that movie. And, you know, that's, that's that kind of throwback. Like I miss, I miss Mel Brooks movies, you know, mm. I, I, that it's a dream to me to be able to do uh, a a film in that uh, uh, kind of com- comedic genre. The the Mel Brooks, I want to bring those back. Uh, some of those you couldn't make today.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, no, you you was. and we probably shouldn't uh, some of <laughs> <Yeah>. those. <but. laughs> you you couldn't make
1: those, but you know what I'm saying. It's that sense of of just the silly uh, slapstick and and but also really clever. I mean, you know, uh, some of my favorite things are you know, are that bringing in that who's on, who's on first type of mentality, like space balls with the, you know, when, when will then be now soon, those whole sequences I think are brilliant. They're brilliantly uh, thought out and they're brilliantly performed. And the timing is just, you know, so anyways, maybe one day do some more comedies.
0: Well, the only thing that, and from the work of yours that I've seen, the kind of through line that I can, that I see from your martial arts, I'm wondering if this is something that you think is apparent also but it feels like that informs your sense of movement your spatial awareness because there's all your frames are always really well lined out and I feel like you have a really strong visual sense even though you don't have you haven't had huge budgets to work with yet but it feels like every moment is purposeful and they feel like they're probably more expensive than they actually are and I'm wondering if that has something to do with your just being a, having that kind of a physical background where you're just aware of things, maybe on a deeper level than I would be. Cause I'm completely unaware of where I am physically <laughs> in the universe ever.
1: Um, I would say the martial arts plays a huge role in so many aspects of, of life. Um, and yes, the spatial awareness, being aware, aware of yourself and, and your surroundings, um, does play a pivotal role in just how I kind of see the world. I'm also such a huge film buff and, and even, uh, you know, the technical wizardry behind stuff. I'm such a fan of learning and dissecting those things and figuring out what lens did they use to get that? What, you know, so the, all that homework goes into it. It's not, it's not just, Hey, let's show up and get a camera. No, I'm, I'm there working with the DP, uh, uh, Brad rushing in this case, uh, Ruben Steinberg and like wheels of fortune and in many other movies, we're, we're sitting there, uh, you know, months before already plotting out which camera are we going to use? Which lenses are we going to use? Which filters? Are we going to go half pro mist on this thing? Are we going to, you know, hmm. so we like totally get into the, the, uh, um, the look of something to where, you know, most people will probably never even know (laughs) or notice other than you're noticing now that there is, there is a lot of thought that goes into every frame. Uh, of course we have those scenes or the rush days where we don't get to do, you know, really what we wanted, but we're constantly thinking of new and creative ways to shoot stuff. Um, Brad rushing, uh, and myself and this, this same team with ESX, we filmed another rom-com, which will come out, uh, in July in the summer. Um, and maybe I can come back on and we can talk about that then. Um, but we were thinking of unique creative camera angles that you definitely wouldn't normally see in a rom-com like this, a very light fare. It's, it's a, you know, a young romance movie about a cooking class and these two fall in love in the cooking class. It's, it's been done before and all of that, but we're trying to bring different things to it. And, and one of the differences was, uh, uh, you know, we shot it on anamorphic and we, uh, really played with those that wider scope on what we're seeing and what objects we're moving past, and even camera movement. We we utilized you know doing actual twisting and motions and or top down on the bed and moving 360 to symbolize things like uh, that's uh, this. Life was just turned upside down, right? Sure. And so you see the camera physically turn upside down, and that as she wakes up, and that's you know this the symbology there. So we're always thinking of that stuff. And it's, it's not just myself. It's, it's the, the, the whole creative team, but I like encouraging those ideas. And, you know, uh, like with Brad and with Ruben, uh, you know, I'm always trying to like throw things out there, like, Hey, let's think about a really cool way that we could shoot this, you know, scene. I see it in the script here. This would be a really cool moment to, you know, do something creative. And then they all come back to me with, with, awesome ideas on, you know, some of them I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know how we're going to pull that off, but I I like where you're going with that, you know, um, uh, because of budget limitations, of course, but, um, but yeah, I going back to the martial arts, sorry.
0: I've No, 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 no. This is perfect. Yeah.
1: I think, uh, I think it really does influence a lot and, and, uh, um, I am definitely that person who is always aware of my surroundings, you know, uh, and and that's just part of that peripheral training that martial arts does. And I've had such great martial arts teachers i have been very, very lucky in that regard. Um, because, and maybe that's what I've gravitated towards, but it's, it's teachers and masters who of their arts that um, uh, are truly about the art, and they're about the spiritual side or the mental side uh, more so than the physical. Uh, I've had two great, great uh, teachers and masters in martial arts and both of them, the focus was not on how to kick ass or you know, how tough we were going to be, or we could beat the school down the street. It was so far removed from any of that. It was about your journey and, and what you were putting into it is what you're going to get out and, and finding the deeper meaning in, in, in all of that. And because of those uh, teachers uh, like uh, um, uh, Kiyoshi, I think he's even higher than a Kiyoshi rank now, Uh, Pat Haley is who I trained with growing up and then uh, uh, Master Steve Pisa who I trained with uh, when I moved down to LA, just, uh, you know, it was about, we we talked and philosophized about writing and art and, and musicians and stuff like that, where, you know, people go, what does that have to do with martial arts? And if you truly understand it, it has everything to do with it. Uh, And uh, you know, it's about balance. It's about life. It's about respect. You respect your opponents. You, you respect your enemies because, Uh, you know, that's the way kind of everything can flow together and how you can become successful, how you Mm -hmm. can find your clarity through all the chaos is if you are aware and respecting all of those things. Um, it's, it's when you get cocky and don't respect something that it'll bite you in the butt, you know what I mean?
0: Well, literally everything you said in that about directly applies to making a film. Um, that if you start with the wrong motivation, if you're starting with trying to kick ass, you're probably going to fall on your ass. Um, if you start with the idea of, I'm going to make a really successful Netflix film, let's work on that. What do we do? What are, what are the boxes we need to check? Instead of starting with, I want to tell a story. This is a story I, I really like. I want to tell the story in the best way that I possibly can. You're starting in the right place. You're you're centered, you're balanced. You have that idea. The approach to it will be appropriate. And the result will end up leading to a place where it will connect with people. And I think that that's how your film was successful. That's how it transcended that. That's how you end up being a person that can uh, respect their opponents. If the opponent in this case is the audience, I guess, which you don't want to be adversarial necessarily, but yeah. Although I guess if you um, spend too much time on, uh, comments and things like that, it could probably feel adversarial sometimes, depending on what people are saying. But yeah. generally speaking, the response to yours has been really warm. So from what I've Yeah. Seen. You
1: know, you're always going to get, uh, you know, it's impossible to to please everyone and you'll get the bad reviews and you get all that stuff. I try not to focus on that stuff. Really in my life, what I've kind of figured out is is focusing on the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's easier said than done and, and you can't do it a hundred percent of the time, but my focus is to try and focus on the positive stuff and lean into the positive stuff. And that's how uh, I've found success, at least in, in you know, m- at least what I consider success in, in my leadership on a film set is I try and lead with a real positive attitude, try and make it a, a fun environment. Um, because I've discovered when people are enjoy themselves, they put in better work it's pretty simple. You know, I've never understood like corporate philosophies or ruling by fear or any of those things. I've never understood it. Uh, because when you encourage and you, uh, um, you know, try and facilitate an environment where people are enjoying themselves, the productivity level just skyrockets. And I know there's been corporations, I think like Google and all those things, they, they have promoted that. And I think, uh, they have all the numbers that support that theory, but, uh, for myself, certainly that has been the case. It's, it's, we work very hard. Uh, when I say we have fun on set, everybody goes, Oh, do not work hard? You see us dancing. We'll post videos. We're dancing on set and we're doing, all... yeah, that's the, that's the little moments. But, but for the 14 hours that we're on that set, we're working incredibly hard. We're shooting 10 plus pages a day, which in production, people uh, all that's know that's really that quick that that's a lot um, to do. And we've done even more. I mean, we've done like 14 page, whatever. I mean, soap operas do even crazy amounts, but again, we're trying to still keep it in that cinematic film style, single camera look. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have a camera, um, uh, or if we get bust out the GoPros, we might have some C cameras out there. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know, for the most part, the style is single camera, very cinematic, uh, type of style. So it's hard to shoot 10 page, 10 plus pages a day in that, uh, in that environment, but, you know, sometimes budget limitations, uh, you, you, just got to do what you got to do. And, and that's when, uh, you know, still enjoying yourself becomes incredibly important because if we are all just nose to the grindstone, not smiling, not enjoying ourselves, uh, it, it breaks down the, the, the crew, the, the cast, everybody would uh, you know, not want to put in that extra effort after, you know, the 12 hours is in or 10 hours or whatever it is, uh, you know, sometimes you got to push further. And, and if you believe in the project, you know, down to even the, the day player actors, if they believe in the project or the grip, uh, believes in the project, you're going to get, uh, you know, the, the, the team just rallies and comes together and, 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 uh, you know, makes it happen. Um, Like really awesome example of this is um, my DP uh, on this, on California Christmas one and two, Brad Rushing. He was the first one to go, Hey, I know we have a day off, but our schedule is so tight. We probably aren't going to get all these B-roll pieces. And I'm like, Oh, you and I grab my camera. Let's we'll spend our days off. And we spent every day off filming b-roll just to make our schedule work you know so that's the kind of uh and our lovely uh um uh stars josh and lauren you know we did the whole hey if you happen to be at the ranch on this saturday day off uh and uh you decided you wanted to you know i don't know shovel some hay or something josh you know (laughs) brad and i are gonna be out there and we might just uh you know we might see you there so we did kind of those things and got these little fun little pieces for montages and things like that, that, uh, you know, were off schedule because we just didn't have the time. Uh, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't going to happen. And, and, uh, and, and Ruben Steinberg, the other DP I've worked with, we've done similar things on, in past movies like uh, the martial arts ones, like uh, American fighter and, and, uh, even wheels of fortune. Uh, we, we had to do some of those, you know, let's go steal a shot or two on our day off and, uh, you know, uh, those, I think go, that goes back to those same things. Like we're putting in that effort. We want the movie. Sure. We don't even have to have those pieces. We could make the movie without them, but we know it's going to be better if we include them. And, uh, and that's the ultimate goal is we want to make the best possible product we can with the resources that we have.
0: In the end, um, it is, a long shoot, sometimes where it's a couple weeks, a month, month and a half, sometimes. Um, you're working on stuff on films this size, so it, really that time that might be kind of a grind while you're doing it, but you don't get that time back once production closes down. You're probably not going to have a budget for reshoots, and you're not going to be able to go back and do things or have yeah. that built into it. So you have to get it while you're there. And anytime you're making a film, I mean that's such a privileged position to be in getting to do one, you're collecting a paycheck for doing the thing that so many people, um, would knock down the doors that, and would be so thankful to be there and so pleasant to to be around just to have that opportunity that anytime you're on a set, you're in a position that there's a hundred other people that would love to be there. So your hardest day is somebody's dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, any, like any position up and down the line, from, yeah, you know, yeah. you were ta- and you were mentioning like everybody from a grip to, you know, craft service, whoever it is that you're talking about at that moment. Um, you know, when everybody buys in and everybody's just working with good people, you do commit to the thing. And I feel like you can see that on screen. Yeah. You, you know, there's a million stories about people that run a set and they're dictators and they're yellers. And, but I think that day is passing at this point I where hope. people just aren't going to, I guess so do I. Um, <laughs> you, you don't hear those horror stories as much. And so they're there. There's those people that are, um, but there's also people that were by all accounts really pleasant to be around. Um, and they made wonderful films also. So, you know, I don't necessarily equate being an asshole with being talented. I tend to think of it as insecurity in my yeah. estimation.
1: Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't think there's really a reason for it. You know, sometimes people are, you know, they don't, they don't know how to, to grapple with that or don't know how to communicate. I think a lot of it comes down to communication as well. Um, and, uh, they don't know how to articulate or communicate what the, exactly what they want. So they get very frustrated. And, um, but I think you're right. I think the whole industry as a whole is shifting to a much more, Hopefully, you know, again, knock on wood, we'll keep going that direction and, and, uh, shift to a, to, you know, uh, uh, a happier, uh, environment on these sets. Cause you're right. I've heard a lot more stories of that as well. I know a lot of people that have risen up in the ranks yeah. and have evaded through, and they are again, that such positive energy and positive, uh, uh, forces to be around creative forces to be around. Uh, I have a good friend. America young, who is just totally, uh, kicking butt. She's also, um, comes from the stunt world. So she's got all the action. She's, you know, I remember a stunt her on fire flying through a third story window and, you know, we're down at the bottom, making sure she lands safe and everything from that to now she's directing, on network television shows. She's, she just uh, inked a deal where she's EPing and directing on a new series. Um, I'm trying to remember who the series is for and now I'm blanking, Um, but big, you know, big, big stuff. She's just totally rocking it. And she is that hundred percent positive energy, bright light leads by uh, positivity. So yeah, I, I, I'm seeing that as different people are elevating in their careers, it's all kind of uh, more of this uh, uplifting, positive attitude. and That makes me excited. It really makes me excited to be a part of this business. And, uh, to help tell more stories with more diversity, with, with all of, all of those things that are so important to give voices to, to people that haven't had them traditionally in the past, uh, you know, you're just, this is what's kind of driving that industry. And that makes me excited.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, man. And it's, it feels like it's all positive, those changes. So it's, um, it'll be hard for some, but. And the world being a little bit more difficult to people that are not easy to be around. That's probably <laughs> a change for the best, but, yeah. um, so the film it'll be tomorrow, uh, released on Netflix. Is that correct? It'll be December uh, 16th. Uh, oh, no, no the... 16th, not the 15th. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just a couple of days out. So I'm definitely going to check that out when it comes out and congratulations, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the next one. So Thank hopefully you. uh get to talk Thank to you in the spring about that rom-com.
1: Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. I'd love Absolutely. to come back. Uh, that one's a lot of fun another great cast um and again we just we we laughed a bunch uh while making that one too and this one too we've got manny up to some crazy antics in in this new movie so uh i think people will will really dig um uh some of the fun i think we 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 dialed up the comedy notch a little bit in this one uh for some of that stuff so uh yeah i'm really
0: i guess the james cameron approach to sequels you either you there's the one thing you can uh turn up the dial on so it could have been you could have turned up the dial on the comedy or you could have turned it up on the tears and i think comedy is where i want to see these two go so i think that's a good choice
1: yeah good good Uh, hopefully hopefully
0: (laughs) awesome well thank you so much man hopefully talk to you soon okay
1: yes that'd be awesome thanks so much for having me on
0: very cool take care man nice to meet you bye time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope